You're listening to Time in the Word. Over the next three studies, Dr. Gonzalez will cover the millennium. He explains that there will be a transitional period that apparently separates the beginning of the millennial kingdom from the end of the tribulation period. There will be several events that take place during this transition period. He reminds us that there is a significant division in the study of eschatology, having to do with the question of whether there will be a 1,000-year reign of Christ before or after His second coming. In today's message, he'll share the events that take place during this transition period, the three millennial views, and why the premillennial view is best supported by Scripture. Let us listen as Dr. Gonzalez continues his study on end times prophecy. This is message number 33 in the series that we've entitled The Bible and Tomorrow's Headlines. We looked at the, in our last two um, lessons, the last two programs, we looked at the judgments, the coming judgments and resurrections. We finished that piece of the study. Today we will start considering the Millennium Kingdom and we'll look at what the Millennium Kingdom is going to look like. We will look at uh, uh, a number of differing views concerning the Millennium and we'll try to cover as much detail as we can as we look at the Scriptures to get information uh, that supply us uh, details about what we can expect during the Millennium Kingdom. The first thing I want to look at is the differing views concerning the Millennium Kingdom. As you know, there are those individuals within the Evangelical Church, conservatives, uh, who hold that there is a little millennium reign of Christ on earth. There are those who hold that there is not. And, and uh, so there's differing views regarding the millennium. The first position I want to look at is called amillennialism. Uh, essentially, amillennialism literally teaches that there is no thousand years. The A preceding millennium uh, negates uh, the existence of a literal 1,000-year reign of Christ here on earth. They uh, hold, uh, those who hold this view, believe that there is no earthly kingdom that Christ will reign over uh, uh, after His second coming. They advocate that the second coming will be immediately followed by the eternal state or heaven. One theologian says this about amillennialists. He says, amillennialists do not believe in a literal kingdom on the earth following the second coming of Christ. They tend to spiritualize and allegorize the prophecies concerning the millennium and attribute, uh, and attribute yet unfulfilled prophecies relating to Israel to the church instead. Those who hold to this view do not adhere to a simple and plain, literal interpretation of Scripture. Amillennialists do not deny the literal return of Christ, but they do reject the earthly thousand-year reign of Christ here on earth, because they argue that God's kingdom is present in the church age, which they refer to as the millennium, and they say it's fulfilled entirely in the present age. So essentially, amillennialists are saying that we are currently in the millennium. The millennium is fulfilled in the present age. This is not a, a view I advocate personally. I don't believe it is the best view uh, supported by Scripture. 
The next position I want to look at, the next view regarding the millennial, is called post-millennialism. Uh, this view was very popular, particularly in the 19th century, and it was held by very well-known theologians such as Charles Hodge or B.B. Warfield or even A.H. Uh, Strong. Uh, the proponents of this view hold that Christ's second coming will take place after the millennium. Uh, one um, Reformed theologian uh, defines post-millennialism this way. He says it's that view of the last things which holds that the kingdom of God is now being extended in the world through the preaching of the gospel and the saving work of the Holy Spirit in the hearts of individuals, that the world eventually is to be Christianized and that the return of Christ is to occur at the close of a long period of righteousness and peace commonly called the millennium. So the post-millennialists believe that Christ's second coming will actually occur after the millennium kingdom. And, and as we just read in, in uh, Botner's uh, definition of post-millennialism, they believe that he will come after an age, a prolonged time, in which the world will be Christianized. Well, in response, Paul Enns, a theologian uh, that doesn't hold to this position, states this, the occasion for this view is noteworthy. Inasmuch as it followed a period of optimism and progress in science, culture, and the standard of living in general, it was also prior to World Wars I and II. Postmillennialism declined considerably following the World Wars because the conflagrations militated against the optimism of the doctrine. Essentially, what uh, Paul N. is saying is this. Prior to World War I and prior to World War II, there was a time in which the world was experiencing great optimism. There was a revival within the Christian community worldwide where, where the gospel was being propagated, missions were being expanded throughout the world, and it appeared that the, that the kingdom of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ must, was making great inroads in the culture around the world. Uh, this optimism obviously came to an end when World War I came and then when World War II came. And as Paul N. Uh, Enns clearly states, uh, it's pretty much a, a position that has been uh, abandoned by many because of the decline of such optimism in light of the current events around the world. Now, to argue that the world will be Christianized uh, militates against what we experience today around the world. We know for a fact that we're living in a world and in a society in which we all feel like we're walking on eggshells. We know that it is a matter of time before somebody's going to do something that is going to draw the entire world into absolute and utter chaos. We know that in fact the Bible actually teaches the opposite. The church will become an apostate church and the world will be militant against Christianity and against God and against the things of God. So post-millennialism, even though it was held high by many prominent 
conservative evangelical theologians, it has declined considerably because of the current events in the world and even going all the way back to prior uh, or to World War I and II. Obviously a position that I don't advocate, but, but uh, don't break fellowship with other believers who may advocate. This is not one of those fundamentals uh, that we break fellowship over. Then the third position is uh, called premillennialism. Now premillennialists, pre and that is what I am personally, I'm a premillennialist, I hold and premillennialists hold that Christ will return to the earth literally and physically to establish His kingdom here on earth over which He will rule for a thousand years. And that second coming will occur prior to that millennium kingdom. That's why pre-millennialism. Um, we believe that the second coming will occur after the tribulation period and that it will end with the establishment of the new heavens and the new earth. Let me read you a couple of comments from a couple of different theologians regarding premillennialism. One states, all forms of premillennialism understand that the millennium follows the second coming of Christ. Its duration will be 1,000 years. Its location will be on this earth. Its government will be a theocratic, uh, will be theocratic with the personal presence of Christ reigning as king. And it will fulfill all the yet unfulfilled promises about the earthly kingdom. And another theologian states this, dispensational premillennialism, which is what I am, I'm a dispensational premillennialist, can be identified through two basic features. And these are the two features that distinguish dispensational premillennialists from other ways of interpreting Bible prophecy. One, a distinction is made between God's program for Israel and His program for the church. That is imperative to understand and in my estimation imperative to know that the scripture clearly keeps a separation between the church and Israel. Israel is Israel and God is still dealing with Israel and will continue to deal with Israel and the church is the church and they are two different programs. And second, a consistently literal interpretation of the scriptures is maintained. Dispensational premillennialists believe that the church will be raptured prior to the tribulation period. God will judge unbelieving Gentiles and disobedient Israel during the tribulation. At the end of the tribulation, Christ will return with the church and establish the millennial kingdom on earth. Following the thousand-year reign, Satan will be freed once more, whereupon he and his followers will be cast into the lake of fire. The eternal state will follow. Again, this is the position that this Bible teacher holds. I believe that the Bible, the evidence found in Scripture clearly supports the dispensational premillennial position that Christ will return a second time after the tribulation to establish the thousand year reign where he will literally physically reign uh, on planet earth. Now let's actually start looking at the millennium itself. If there is such a thing as a millennium 
kingdom, a millennium reign of Christ, what will the millennium look like? What kind of information is supplied to us from Scripture? What kind of details do we have? How can we bring those details together and put together a picture of what that time will look like? Well, I'm going to read a couple passages. First is Second Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 16. In this passage, it says, When your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you who will come from your own body, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build the house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod of men, with floggers inflicted by men, but my love will never be taken away from him as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed uh, from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. And of course, we're, we're, we're looking at statements being made about David and the throne of David that will be established as a throne forever and ever a throne that will, uh, the throne that Christ, a descendant of David, of the lineage of David, will once uh, at one point take. Another passage is found in Genesis chapter 15, verses 18 through 21, where it says, On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, To your descendants I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, Kenizzites, uh, Kadamites, Hittites, Perizzites, uh, Rephites, Amorites, Canaanites, Jergeshites, and Jebusites. The Millennium Kingdom is the rule of Christ on earth as promised to David in that 2 Samuel uh, chapter 7 passage we, uh, we read. And it will be inaugurated at the second coming of Christ. The land that God promised Abraham and his descendants will be fulfilled. The promise made to David that his descendant, the Messiah, will sit on the throne of the kingdom forever will be fulfilled without the millennium. Listen to me. Without the millennium kingdom, the Abrahamic, the Davidic, and the Palestinian covenants would go on fulfilled, something that we know cannot happen. God made unconditional promises to the patriarchs and those, and we've looked at these at the very beginning of this series, and those were the Abrahamic, the Davidic, and the Palestinian or the land covenant. Those covenants God made with, uh, were unconditional covenants that have not yet been fulfilled and must be fulfilled in order to God, in order for God to be true to his word. We have a major problem, folks, if things don't work out the way we say they're going to work out because then God is a God who does not keep his promises. 
Scripture clearly says God is a God who keeps His promises. If God is not going to fulfill the promises He made in the covenants He made with Abraham and David, then He it cannot be trusted to be a God who fulfills His promise to bring me into His presence for eternity. How do I have any guarantees that my salvation is secure if the God who says my salvation is secure is a God who does not keep His promises and fulfills His covenants? The reason the Millennium Kingdom has to take place is because it is during the Millennium Kingdom that many of the promises that God made to Abraham and David, it is then that when those promises and covenants will be fulfilled. The future Kingdom of God now will occur in two phases. Phase one is the Millennium rule of Christ here on earth that occurs at the Second Coming. And the second phase will be the eternal state, which will come after the millennium rule of Christ has come to an end. In Revelation chapter 20 and verses 2 through 7, we're told that the length of Christ's literal reign here on earth after the tribulation and at his second coming will be one thousand years. In fact, I will have I would encourage you to go to that passage, Revelation chapter twenty, verses two uh, uh, through seven. And if you note, if you read the passage, you will note that the length of Christ's rule on earth is mentioned in, in those few verses six times as if God wanted to make sure that we understood when we read these passages how long the reign of Christ will take uh, would, 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 would uh, uh, last here on earth and as to emphasize the fact that there will be a literal reign of Christ. One uh, Christian writer says this, the millennium is the period of a thousand years of the visible earthly reign of the Lord Jesus Christ who after his return from heaven will fulfill, listen, will fulfill during that period the promises contained in the Abrahamic, Davidic, and New Covenants to Israel, will bring the whole world to a knowledge of God, and will lift the curse from the whole earth. Listen, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, the Millennium Kingdom has to take place. Because if it doesn't take place, then the promises of God, the covenants that God made with His people will go unfulfilled. And that has many profound implications for us as Christians today, people who live based on the promises that God has made to us as Christians and to me as an individual uh, today. God is a God who does not change. God is a God who keeps His Word. God is a God that when He makes a promise, He intends to keep it. And when He makes a covenant with a people, particularly an unconditional covenant, you have to remember, Abraham and David and these covenants are unconditional covenant. In other words, they were not required to keep up their end of the bargain in order for God to keep up His end of the bargain. These were unconditional covenants. 
meaning that even if those who entered into this covenant with God did not keep up their end of the bargain, God would keep his. And he, this author makes an important point in saying that, listen, this is that time in human history where God fulfills those yet unfulfilled promises that were made in the Abrahamic, in the Davidic, and in the New Covenant. And it also, and he makes a very important point at the end of that uh, statement I read, that it also brings the whole world to a knowledge of God and lifts the curse from the whole creation. Listen, God is a sovereign God. And what God has decreed, what God has said, what God has stated, what God has promised is true. Irrespectable of what we may think, irrespectable of our own personal conclusions about anything. If God said, I will do this, God meant he would do it and God will do it. And that has very profound implications for me as a Christian and as a preacher of God's Word. I stand here before you with full assurance that when I die physically, I will go into the very presence of Christ at that time. And that after it's all said and done that in eternity I will be with God forever. And I can tell you this with all assurance. You know why? Because God said that is true. And there is absolutely nothing God has said that has ever been proven not to be true. In fact, God and His Word are the truest things I know. There is absolutely nothing out there that is truer than God and His Word. And if God said that the millennium needs to occur because it is during the millennium kingdom of Christ that I fulfill my promises that I made to the patriarchs, then it has to occur. But what peace and joy that brings to my heart to know that I am a member of the family of God and that the God that I live for and that the God that I serve is a God who keeps the promises, even those promises that I may from time to time forget about. When God says He loves you, you know what He means to say? He loves you. And when God says that there's absolutely nothing out there that can separate you from the love of God, you know what He means? There's nothing out there that can separate you from the love of God. And that when He says that He will save you if you repent and acknowledge Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know what He means when He says that? That He will save you when you repent and acknowledge Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That is the promise-keeping God I serve and live for.